This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. On this week's Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. Colorado Hunter assaulted by Sasquatch. Hang gliding horror stories. Feces at McDonald's. My brush with Swedish triplet playmates. Not and, kidding. And our Celebrity Minute with Donald G. Evans from the Chicago Literary Hall of Fame. All that in unlimited tangents on this week's Minutia Men. That is coming up right now. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast. An Opie production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is Minutia, Minutia Man. Man with Rick and Dave. Hey, hey. How have you been, Rick? Woo! Three hey. weeks gone, now we're back, baby. We're still, you gotta, when the guitar's going, you gotta be jamming. <laughs> you gotta be jamming. All right. Well, now. you look great. I haven't seen you for what three weeks. Yeah, it's been a long time. Have you lost weight? You I have fantastic. not lost weight. I'm a big fat piece of crap. <laughs> How about you? Oh, um, well, I'll tell you a story. Can yeah. we just go in? We know. Yeah, sure. Why not? So I went to um, Cincinnati after Thanksgiving. Yeah. Okay. Well, we had a whole big Thanksgiving extravaganza. Sure, of you course. Want to hear about it? Yes. All right. Well, uh, we had Thanksgiving at my house. Okay. Oh, and by the way, can you tell I have a cold? Yeah. Um, I can. I caught another cold over the weekend. Yeah, well, that's shocking. You know what I think I'm going to do? You know how they name hurricanes and tropical storms? Yeah. I'm going to start naming my colds. Oh, that's a good this idea. This is cold Abigail. I'm going to okay. start at A's. Starting with the A. All right. right. I would imagine I'm going to run out of letters by February. Well, I'm going to go to Abigail's uh, college graduation in in 20 years because uh, Abigail was going to stick with you for the rest of your life. <laughs> Right, right. Abigail's going to have kids. And, exactly. Uh, uh, I just sniffled there. So anyway, so we had Thanksgiving at my house. My in-laws came in. We had everybody. Uh, my father-in-law broke, broke a record while we were there. Uh, yeah. And what's that record? Uh, he It took about four hours and 30 minutes before he started to notice things that are wrong about our house. <laughs> That's, that is a record. It was. It was, like, yeah. it was like four minutes and 23 wow. seconds. Wow. You know, it did. It Just to be clear, it didn't take him four hours to, to notice it. <laughs> right. Right. It just took him four hours to hold his tongue. Right. And then at the four and a half hour right. mark, he's like, yeah. um, and what he noticed actually, the, um, on our wall, we had our security system put in 20 years ago. Yeah. And we never touched up the paint where they put the hole in there. So in his defense, it was not a... Yeah. I mean, he definitely was... You know, in, okay a, in our old our house, uh, we're doing some stuff. Um, but in, in, in my kitchen, uh, about 18 years ago, the drawer... The, the the drawer to the silverware mm -hmm. broke. The front of the drawer broke off. Yeah. And I just never replaced it. What year was that again? Um, I'd say about 18 years ago. <laughs> and, and so, you know, now you just reach in there. You don't have to You don't have to open the drawer. You just reach it's in. complete efficiency. I <laughs> mean, I don't know why they even put the fronts on drawers. How, how much time have you saved over 18 years? <laughs> you wrote three novels because of that time, didn't but you? But every time my, my uh, brother-in-law comes over he's like you really haven't yeah, fixed that no. like no yeah. it's it's become one of those quirky endearing qualities of you yeah it's if yeah. you fixed it it would be i, I wouldn't be me exactly yeah um so we went to cincinnati yeah because uh, my wife's aunt lonnie turned 80 okay and we had a big party for her in cincinnati yeah it was very very nice i love michelle's cousins um and we had a lot of family pictures yeah right and with digital cameras now, you get to see the pictures right away, right? Yeah. Um, Dave has a double chin. I don't know if you noticed that. <laughs> so, so was this this story inspired by my calling myself a big yeah, piece exactly? Of crap? Um, yeah. And I mean, happily, I noticed that I had a double chin early in the foot the photography. Yeah. So after like the seventh or eighth picture, I started to do the turtle. <laughs> you know, I reached my head out like that. So no one could tell uh -huh. uh, or the constant or the kind of put your head up a little high so people can't. Oh, very sneaky. Right. So double chin was only for about for seven or eight pictures. How okay. are you? What'd you do over Thanksgiving? Uh, well, uh, you know, my brother came into town and we just kind of hung out. We uh, really didn't do much. But next week I'm going to. uh New York on Monday. I'm going to New York with my son, Tommy, for his birthday present. He's his favorite band. Now, Tommy's 23. Mm -hmm. His favorite band in the whole world is the who is Orbital. 
this band called Orbital. They're an English electronic dance music band. They they they're two brothers, I guess, and they never tour and they never come to America and they're coming to Brooklyn. And Tommy saw this and you know, he's like, "Oh man, I wish we could go to that." And so uh you being the best dad ever, dad ever right? best dad ever. I got him two tickets and uh, we're going to, we're going to stay in Brooklyn. We're staying in a Hasidic Jewish neighborhood. Really? Okay. Um, so we're going to get some good deli food. Yeah. I've already scoped out. We're going to go to a place called Moshe's place. Uh, Moshe's. It's for, not Moshe. It's Moshe. 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 I got to, I got to brush up. Right. Um, so that's, that's going to be next week, but I'll be back in time to, to, uh, to do the podcast well, this is on Thursday. Be an awesome memory. This is going to be great. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think the tor- the uh, the the concert itself is going to be torture. Yeah. Um, but everything else around it is going to be fun. You're going to vape? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, here you go, Tommy. Man, you want to hit? Man. All hey, right. did you see that the whatever the Grateful Dead is now called? Dead and Company. Yeah. They're coming to Wrigley Field. Are they really? Yeah. You need to talk into your mic a little closer. I'm, I'm watching the levels. How's that? Better? That's much better. That's well, why we cold. have microphones. It's cold Abigail. Oh, okay. Cold Abigail might be having it. So. Hey, we should do some minutiae. I've, we... I've got like three weeks worth. Okay. All right. Well, I've got some audio. This week's minutia with Rick and Dave. All right. This comes from our crime desk, the minutia men crime. Okay. Right. Let's Imagine uh, Barney Miller. When I think of our crime desk, I'm thinking of <laughs> Mojo and okay. uh, fish. Yeah, fish and the, yeah. what was the Asians? Guy? It was Wojo. Okay. Wo- Mojo. <laughs> what, what was the agent? Nick. Was Nick. 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 Yeah. Colorado. This is Dateline, Colorado. I believe his name was Jack Wu. I believe that was the actor's name. Yeah, he died. Yeah. In like while they were filming, right, right. yeah. And then Fish never died. <laughs> no, Fish finally did die last year, I think. Yeah. Um this comes out of Colorado. All right. All right. Headline. Hunter claims he was sexually assaulted by a Sasquatch. <laughs> um Daryl Widow hey, by the way, Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. Legal marijuana, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> Daryl Whitaker from Glenwood Springs, Colorado, claims a Sasquatch attacked him and attempted to rape him while he was walking in the woods. Well, it's like it wasn't just a Sasquatch. It was like a criminal Sasquatch. So what happened, uh, the 57-year-old man, Daryl Whitaker, uh, was walking to his hunting cabin. You know, just, yeah, just, as people do. Yeah, yeah. On a Sunday, nice Sunday. Yeah. Just try seeing if it had any damage from the recent winter storm. Okay. So he's walking. Dum dee dum dee dum dee dum. And then all of a sudden, a large gorilla-like creature dropped from a tree in front of him and punched him right in the face. For real? Well, that's what he says. <laughs> Are you saying that it's not true? It was at least an eight foot tall and it punches hurt like hell. I was knocked right out on my first bl- on the first blow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, while Mr. Whitaker was trying to recover from the attack, the large humanoid creature began to tear his clothes off while letting out some terrifying howls. <laughs> now, that was a made-up noise. I don't believe that's what he sounded like. When I regained consciousness, he had already torn my pants and was tearing through my underwear. Wow. I stabbed him in the shoulder with my hunting knife, and that yeah. made him run. Yeah. That was the Sasquatch. Right. I mean, it, it's one thing to, if you're a, if you're a outdoorsy hunter type, it's one thing to get uh, attacked by a Sasquatch. It's another thing for him to go for the pinga. <laughs> yeah. Right. And when he, when he goes down there, yeah, that's yeah. when it's over the line. <laughs> right, exactly. Me too, baby. <laughs> hashtag. Now, if it was the other way around, yeah. well, I mean, it's like, you know. You, don't you want to know if it's <laughs> it's well is it true is it true what they say about you sasquatches uh mr whitaker immediately reported the attack to the glenwood springs police department and the colorado parks wildlife and possibly penthouse form <laughs> not much is happening uh the uh daryl whitaker is convinced uh that uh, the creature that attacked him was actually a sasquatch and this is my favorite quote that he did okay um according to the victim the attacker measured around eight foot tall and is extremely hairy. He has brown hair, dark brown eyes, and had extremely large feet. You know what they say about Sasquatches. <laughs> well, see, that's what, I was, that's what I was wondering. So, Colorado, Daryl Whitaker. All right, but let's be honest. He didn't get anywhere. I mean, he didn't even get to third base with him. 
No, the Sasquatch. I mean, the, the underwear was still on. Right, right. It's, yeah, so, it was definitely. Yeah, I don't want to, you know, in this Me Too uh, era, I don't want to downplay uh, right. the assault. You but, know what? Uh, I feel sorry for the Sasquatches. <laughs> the Sasquatches in our town, right? Because they're falsely accused. They are. I, I mean, that's that was just, a, that headline was not correct. All right, I have some uh, minutia for you. And this is the kind of minutia story that is going to give me nightmares for ever uh it uh, did you see that video that i sent you i sent you a video of a hang glider yeah, the guy and, hanging from the hang glider. yeah it's a story with i just read a little bit of the all right so here's the deal this happened in interlaken switzerland and and it's interlaken it's, it's maybe the most beautiful place on earth i we used to go there all the time when we lived in germany um i you know I've been there many times and there were always these hang gliders, but you know, you didn't, you didn't necessarily uh, just get a hang glider and go out. You would have to have somebody do it with you. Somebody who knows what they're doing. Right. right? right. So somebody who knows how to, how to land it properly and whatever. Well, takeoff and landing probably are two big parts of the yeah. hang gliding experience. Yeah. I mean, so, so Interlocker, Switzerland is like a valley completely surrounded with by mountains. Mm-hmm. So it's like the perfect place to go hang gliding. And if you watch this video, uh, you can see the guys all excited right. about going out, you know, hang gliding. Um, but if you look in his back, you can see that he is not attached <laughs> To the to the hang glider, the the guy who's who's the teacher, the trainer, yeah. he is attached. Yeah, well, right, damn right. Uh, and there's a harness in the back for where the guy should be attached, but they forgot to attach him. So they get they jump off the hill, and they're flying, and then they notice that he's not attached, and he's hanging on for dear life. And you're and they're flying over this beautiful valley, but I, I mean they're hundreds of right. feet above the trees. He, it, you could just tell he's completely terrified, and it, when the wind catches underneath the glider, you can't just immediately go down. Plus, there was nowhere to land because he's got trees and everything. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. right. So um, it took about three and a half minutes oh for him to get over this thing, and then finally, uh, when he got close enough to the ground, the he, guy just yeah, jumped he off. Said, Screw this. Yeah, he broke his wrist. He uh, sprained he, an ankle too, didn't he? Or? Sprained an ankle. He also tore the ligaments in his arm uh-huh. because uh, he was holding for four and a half minutes. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but he was dangling from the bottom of it. You know, you've you've seen the hang gliders, and then there's the guy holding on to the to the pole that yeah, goes yeah. across it. He was hanging underneath him. Yeah, that's. Do you think he paid? Yeah, right. That's yeah. a good. That's a good question. I'm yeah. not giving you a yeah. refund. We got right. you, we, we got you the trip. It's not my fault. You want me to call nine one one? I'd love to, but listen, uh, here's the bill. Yeah, right. Your credit card is not going through here. But the reason I I bring up that story, uh, other than just the it's terrifying horrible, nature right. of it, I actually almost died in the same region of Switzerland doing something very stupid. And I don't know if I've ever told this story on this podcast, but I was skiing with my buddy, Nick. Now everybody has a friend like Nick when they're a teenager, you just follow him. uh, You do the stuff that you would never in a million years do on your own. Uh, Well, one of the things Vegas is my guy. Okay. Yes. Everyone's got one. Um, I I was going to say, I, uh, I've climbed many a roof in Chicago. Just following Mark Vegas. Exactly. Yeah, stupid. That's exactly the kind of thing that we would do. Um, but one of the things that we did, and we used to ski together, is he was a great skier. And and so he wanted to ski in between the trees. Just like Sonny Bono did. Right. Now, in, in Colorado or wherever, they have trails that you can do this. In Switzerland, they don't. And if you want to do this, you're like taking your life in your own hands. So... We had a, a routine where if somebody fell, the person would come behind him and spray him with snow. So I'm going behind Nick and I'm you know barely making it through the trees because I'm not as good of a skier as he is. And I see him fall yeah. in <laughs> front of me. Right. So I start picking up speed, going around the trees. I'm like, I'm going to spray this man. He's like, this is no. The, the first time I'm no. ever going to be able to do that. <laughs> He's screaming, don't. No, stop. And I'm like, yeah, stop my ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and then I see, as I'm about probably 20 feet away from him, I see that the horizon disappears. 
there's a cliff and he is on the edge of this cliff. He has stopped in time and I'm hurtling towards it as fast as I can to spray him. And if I don't stop, (laughs) (laughs) so I grabbed onto a tree. I mean, I barely made it. And so we were stuck on the edge of a cliff in Switzerland and at Switzerland at nighttime, uh, there's no where there's no lights on the hill. There's no night skiing or anything. And this was at, towards the end of the day, and we were stuck. We had to take off our skis and walk back around and to get out to to a place where we could ski down to the rest of the the mountain. And this is you know it, was a, it took a 15 minute train ride to get to the top of the mountain. We got down down to the bottom of the hill around 8:30 at night. Well, you're parents our, both of our mothers had sent the ski patrol they had a helicopters looking for us in the mountains and everything um and that uh that is my story wow. but uh, I, I almost died too just like this uh this angle you know i have not had any skiing incidences that i've almost died on <laughs> i did you know that hyperextended elbow that i had yes in, people are still talking yeah, about right. that uh, that is probably the last time i've skied um hey I, we got a winner just because oh, are we still doing that yeah we're still yeah. doing it Pod Bless This King. Pretty cool name. Yeah. Pod Bless This King. Um, they're from Wellsbury, Pennsylvania. Okay. Yeah. Uh, picked up a copy of Don Evans' An Off-White Christmas. That's our Christmas book that is on Eckhart's Press. Hey, and Don Evans is going to be our celebrity guest yeah. a little later on Why in the show. Why do you think I'm giving away the <laughs> Ah. And a copy of Chet Coppock's You're Dying My Dance Floor. And Chet will be at the in Orland Park next Saturday. On uh, Saturday, yes. December 8th. Beautiful. So if you're in the Chicago At a sport area, card collector show. In Orland Park. Yeah. Um, if you want to be a winner, yeah. just like uh, Pod Bless This King, all you got to do is retweet and follow us on Twitter, and we randomly pick a winner every week for some valuable prizes. Yeah. Up to $25. Now, all you got to do is retweet us. Yeah. How yeah. hard is it? And, and where can people find the show? I mean, I know they're listening to it right now, but what if somebody comes up to them and says, hey, where did you find the show? And they can't remember. Uh, well, Stitcher. Stitcher. Yeah. Google Play. Right. iTunes. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. Spotify. Spotify. Oh, hey, hello. Are we on Spotify? We are on Spotify. Wow. Um, we're in Barnes & Noble. No, yeah, uh, no. Walgreens, Walmart, <laughs> Target. Uh, yes, our book release party will be at the United Center with Oprah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Just like all of our book release parties, yes. we have Oprah at the United Center. Um, but yes, we, and please review us on iTunes. We've got like two hundred and something reviews, and and they're all five star reviews. No, there's a few. Fours. Yeah, no, I, you know, I don't talk about. Those I think people. there's a three in there too. What? I know. I know. Uh, That's probably my mother. It was your mother. But, yeah. yeah. She's still mad about the whole uh, helicopter thing. What year was that? Uh, 1979. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm amazed that you still go skiing after that. Um, hey, do you go to McDonald's ever? Uh, unfortunately, yes. <clears throat> um, well. I buy I buy coffee there a lot. Well, that. It's I, only a buck. Yeah. Large coffee is a buck. I think you can't beat that. God, you really are pushing 60. I know. You? I know. Well, this comes from our health desk. Traces of poo found, and that is right, poo, not the bear. Yeah. Feces. Not Winnie the. Uh, found on every McDonald's ordering touchscreen screen that was tested. Do you, have you seen Ugh. some McDonald's? Yeah. The touchscreens? You know, Panera now has it. Yeah. Um, because they want to eliminate every job. Right. They want no humans. So there's these touchscreens at McDonald's. This is out of England. And I've only seen the touchscreens a couple of times in Chicago. Yeah. So I don't think it's a real uh, I hope Chicago, not. Chicago thing. Um, well, what happens is, is like I said, there's these touchscreens and you go and you put in your order and then you walk <clears> because <throat> the three minutes that you wait is just too sure, much. Sure, right? exactly. Well, in England, some researchers, some killjoys, deci- <laughs> decided that they were going to test those screens for how much bacteria and stuff. And, and, and it was actual feces? Every single one had some traces of feces. Oh, um, I'll, I'll have the shit fingers and fries, please. <laughs> yeah, right. Mixepsis. I'll have the mixepsis <laughs> menu, please. Dr. Paul Matalwella from London Metropolitan University said that we were all surprised how much gut and fecal bacteria. Oh, God. There was. I the thought t- that was just inside the McRib. <laughs> no. 
I love the McRibs. <laughs> yeah, I do too, but I don't want to know what's in them. Yeah, but how they die cut that beef was yeah. Just, I mean, it's amazing. And whatever. Uh, for instance, Enter Okakis, not to be confused with Michael Dukakis, yes. uh, was in is the part of the flora of gastrointestinal tracts of healthy humans and other mammals, but it is notorious in hospitals for causing. Uh, hospital-related infections, yeah. like like toxics, yeah. toxic shock syndrome. Every single screen had fecal matter. Uh, now that's England. Teat. Now yeah. that's it. maybe that's why their teeth. Suck. Oh, that could be uh, bad there. Yeah. Um, so if you're going to uh, if you're going to go to a McDonald's in England, uh, <laughs> just go up there and talk. consider yourself warned. Yeah, yeah. Talk to the actual human being. And, All right, it's time for our next feature. A random name pulled out of Rick's bowl of brushes with celebrities. Mixture. Collection. Selection. Assemblage. Medley. Assortment. Variety. Time now for Celebrity Potpourri with Rick and Dave. Uh, This is the part of the show where Dave reaches his hand into the Costco jar, pulls out a name of a celebrity, and then I have to tell the story of how I met that celebrity and uh, what the circumstances were, etc. This just says Playboy. Is that a person? Okay, uh, I'll tell you why it says Playboy. Um, I have a couple of Playboy stories. I'll, I'll let you pick which one you want to hear. And also because I don't remember the names of the actual buddies, ladies that we're talking about. Would you like to hear the story of the Playboy grandma or the Swedish triplets? <laughs> um, I think I'm going Swedish triplets, thanks. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <clears throat> All right, so you can put Playboy back in the uh, Costco yep. jar because I've got one more story. Uh, All right, so here's my Swedish triplet story. Um, you know who Bill Page is? You mean our author? Yeah, Bill yeah. Page, our author. He used to um, work for Playboy. Uh-huh. And back in the late 80s, early 90s, he was the guy that I called at Playboy to get guests on Stephen Gary uh-huh. show. And he called me up one day. And said, uh, well, Rick, our, our new uh, cover girls, uh, you know, spread. We have this year we're doing triplets and they're these Swedish girls. Would you like to have them on the show? Yes, please. <laughs> and I, I said, yes, absolutely. I think that would be a good uh, human um, interest story. Yeah, interest story. <laughs> but again, you know, not really thinking through the whole concept of it, but knowing that. I'm going to get my picture taken with these three. What are you, 26 at the time? I was... 27. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was yeah. in my late 20s. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was not married or anything, right. you know. Um, and so we got these... Uh, the girls came in. They were blonde. They were beautiful. There were three of them. I've got my picture taken with them. Uh, but then I realized, uh, okay, now we got to do a radio interview. And they their English was... Not great. Subpar. (laughs) (laughs) Subpar. And I looked at uh, Bill Page and I said, "Um, what are we going to talk to them about? He said, well, that's your job. (laughs) I brought them here. I brought the breasts. (laughs) Conversation is your department. So, you know, uh, Stephen Gary apparently didn't think beyond the breasts. Yes. The six breasts. Right. and how often do you get to spend, uh, you know, even a little bit of time with uh, gorgeous Swedish triplets? Yeah, I can't think of a time that I yeah. have the name of that. So anyway. Now, if they were Bulgarian triplets all, every Tuesday, basically. Right. Then they'd only have three eyebrows. <laughs> oh, that's a little joke about Bulgarians. I, <laughs> we're going to get called into the Minutia Men or the Radio Misfits uh, office. You know, your Bulgarian numbers have just hit the skids. Uh, anyway, that that's that's the story. They they were on for I don't three know, minutes, three minutes, three minutes, five minutes, thirty seconds per breath. Um, and, just... and you know, there's a lot of giggling and uh, by Stephen Gary <laughs> <laughs> and me. And I have a picture with these three. You know, we scan it and we'll put it on our Twitter. Okay, I will. Yeah, I will. So anyway, that's it. All right. It's speaking. Time. Speaking of yeah. Swedish. Playboys, we've got Don Evans coming. Oh, my gosh. I think he has some Swedish in him. Let's uh, play the audio and bring on our special guest. Time now for the Celebrity Minutia Minute. Hey, you got a minute? Celebrity Minutia Minute with Rick and Dave. Joining us now, uh, we're very lucky to have, uh, this is probably the highest brow guest that we've had, Dave, I think. Uh, 
San Diego chicken and cousin Oliver. Yeah, pretty highbrow. Yeah, but I, I, I think uh, I think the executive founding director of the Chicago mm-hmm. Literary Hall of Fame. Yeah, a little hoity-toity for our liking. Uh, a little, a little uh, higher class uh, model. Welcome to the show, Don Donald G. Evans. How are you, Don? Thank you, and uh, <laughs> as you know, it's Don. But uh, <laughs> I would say lucky and highbrow are both probably inaccurate. Yeah. All right. Um, what does the G stand for? The G stands for Gerard. I was named after the patron saint of uh, motherhood because I was adopted and oh. my uh, parents couldn't couldn't uh, conceive. So uh, so apparently they prayed to Saint Gerard, oh. and um, so I get the I got the middle name. I don't know why. And Don was uh, for Trump. Was my What's that? For Donald Trump. Isn't that what your name is? <laughs> <laughs> Donald, Donald Trump was just a sparkle in my parents' eyes. Then. Um, the, uh, D- Donald was my dad's middle name. His first name was Albert, which he hated and uh, wouldn't let anybody call him Albert. So he, I, I actually am, uh, was given his middle name. So you're like a Don Jr. almost? Yeah, not technically, yeah. but uh, okay. that's the way, that's kind of the way I think my dad looked at it. But you know, I don't think he, uh, I don't think he thought it through that far. Okay, well, uh, one of the things we want to talk to you about is uh, the Chicago Literary Hall of Fame, and this is a show called Minutia Men. So what we are looking for is minutia about some of these people. And uh, if if I could, I know that you have an encyclopedic knowledge of all the authors that are in the Chicago Literary Hall of Fame. If I could just throw some names out there and you can give us some minutia about each of these uh, great authors. Um, I'm not talking about the top of the line stuff that everybody knows. I'm just saying a little bit of information that uh, might be uh, a little less known about each of them. Yeah, like if Hemingway had Crohn's disease or something like that, that's what we're looking for. All right, Don? (laughs) Hemingway um, did not, uh, as far as I know, have that, but but there was a uh, strain of... of, uh, of a blood disorder that ran through the family, um, which is partly what led to, you know, so many suicides in the family, including his father and himself, of course. And, um, and his daughter, and, uh, granddaughter, right? Granddaughter. Yeah. There are yeah. a bunch of them, you yeah. know? Um, and, uh, well, way to, way to bring down the show right off the bat. <laughs> you asked for it. You said Crohn's disease. All right. Now you've given us some Hemingway. Let's, uh, let's go with Saul Bellow. I know he's one of your favorite authors. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, those who you know, know Saul Bellow, this is probably not minutia, but um, uh, he was a Canadian born before they came to Chicago. Um, but here's a little minutiae. You guys both know Richard Reeder, I think, or you've met him. Yes. Um, yeah, we he, actually he, published we, his book. Yeah, you, you're one of his authors. In fact, <laughs> yeah. I was uh, at his reading Sunday. But um, he he spearheaded the movement to get um, Saul Bellow's Old Street in Chicago, um, given the honorary distinction of Saul Bellow Way. Oh. Well, and, and where is it? What neighborhood? Well, it was Augusta. It was, um, uh, you know, he uh, West Augusta Boulevard um, in Humboldt Park. Okay. Well, that's some uh, minutia. Gwendolyn Brooks. I know that uh, we just recently had a big event with Gwendolyn Brooks's foundation, was it? Talk to me, sister. What about Gwendolyn Brooks? Uh, Gwendolyn Brooks. So um, the Chicago Literary Hall of Fame... uh, um, one of our board members, a uh, good friend, Margo McMahon, who's a wonderful uh, sculptor and artist, uh, she made a statue of Gwendolyn Brooks that the Chicago Literary Hall of Fame uh, sponsored and uh, spearheaded. And we put uh, the statue in Brooks Park uh, this past uh, uh, May or June. I think it was June 8th, maybe. Um, and so uh, there's a little park um uh, Gwendolyn Brooks Park. Uh, actually, there's two Brooks Parks in Chicago, which makes it confusing. Um, but the one that we put the statue in is at 4542 South Greenwood Avenue. And um, and it was the first statue of a poet, uh, only the second statue of a woman uh, in 
any Chicago park. Um, first statue of a black poet. Uh, I think there's a Shakespeare statue in Lincoln Park, maybe. Um, and Andrew but, Dice Clay has a statue too, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> would yeah, you consider? <laughs> would, yeah, would you consider him first and foremost a poet? Yes, yeah, Hickory so. Dickory yeah, Doc. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So, what about um, Ben Hecht? He's he's one of my favorites. Ben Hecht. Um, well, uh, he's probably you know best known for uh, his collaboration with Charles MacArthur uh, for the screenplay um, Front Page, which, um, you know, was a popular Hollywood movie. Um, But he was, uh, you know, after, you know, so he started out as a Chicago journalist um, and uh, eventually moved to Hollywood. Um, And he was such a prolific screenwriter that uh, he went uncredited in a lot, but he was one of the richest and most prolific script writers and a little trivia about him was that he was one of the uh, writers uh, on Gone with the Wind. Oh, wow. That is now you're giving us some minutia. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. Is is Mike Royko in the uh, Literary Hall of Fame? He is. Uh, sounds like you, um, d- your research didn't take you as far as our website. Huh? <laughs> I wanted you to be able to say, yes, of course he is, and then tell us some minutia about yeah, Mike Royko. I don't think I like your tone right here. We can, we can end this right now, buddy. <laughs> well, a uh, little minutia about Mike Royko. Um, he grew up, um, uh, you know, he's a you know Chicagoan, um, but he grew up, um, his his uh, dad was a saloon owner, and so he grew up um, uh, living above a bar um, in Chicago. Um, he, uh, uh, it's long gone, um, but uh, that was uh, uh, he. He described it as a, a. He described himself as a flat above a tavern youth, is what he just said. So you know. Um... I've met Royko a couple of times uh, over the years, and um, uh, here we go. The, I've, heard I've heard this story like three hundred times. Buckle up. So, uh, so uh, I, I'll let you know the story too, Don, just because uh, you know I, I, you need to appreciate who you're speaking to right now. Uh, when uh, the Lorena Bobbitt uh, story broke in the uh, early '90s, I was a, a writer for the John Records Landecker show. And we when, did when, when what broke? I know something broke. I thought it was sliced. Yeah, well, it was sliced. Is exactly right. Um, and that story was a huge national story, international story, and we were making fun of it. And at the time, uh, Mike Royko was also writing Lorena Bobbitt limericks. Uh, in his <laughs> column, which I thought were hilarious. Um, I was at a party at Tim Weigel's house, and Tim Weigel introduced me uh, to Mike Royko and said that uh, this is the guy who writes the songs for John Landecker. And he looks at me and he goes, did you write that Bobbitt song? And I said, yes, I did. <laughs> he goes, you're a genius. Thank you very much. <laughs> Don, whenever whenever I'm in an elevator with Rick, like at a, you know, he just he just flops that story out. Totally unrelated. Nobody's asking. He just does the Royco genius story all the time. Uh, I'm not a now, co- uh, Rick Rick, can you tell me uh one of your other stories about somebody that called you a genius? <laughs> well, do you really need to know more than one? <laughs> That's the only one in your Hall of Fame. I'm sure there are others in other Halls of Fame. Now, as you know, I am not a big Cub fan, Don. Uh, but one of your great writing projects was the book Cubby Blues, 100 Years of Waiting Until Next Year. Can you tell us the favorite story of Cub fandom in your own life? Was there a, you know, we had Carmen Fanzone on a couple of weeks ago. What's your favorite story, childhood or whatever? Of, of oh, I remember Car- I remember Carmen Fanzone well. He was one of uh, the many um, you know stopgap measures at third base between Ron Santo and Chris Bryant, uh, um, and he uh, you know he was one of my favorites. You know, I was born in 1965, and so he was he was there for a while during those early 70s. Um, you know, one of my favorite stories about uh, you know. I think a lot of us, uh, 
you know, who grew up with the Cubs and have, you know, gotten to a certain age, you know, we think fondly back at the way things used to be. And part of it is just the inaccessibility that professional sports has made itself into. It's made itself really an upper kind of middle class, right? Um, you know, affair because it's so expensive to go and to take your kids and, and, um, you know, it's, it's insane to think that Wrigley Field's filled all the time because, you know, when I was a kid, you know, opening day got a little bit of a crowd, but after that, you kind of owned the ballpark. You just went when you wanted, you bought tickets at the, you know, at the gate. So one of my f- favorite memories of, of childhood is, uh, there used to be, so now, uh, if, you know, the seats at Wrigley Field, they pop up, they're automatic, mm-hmm. right? So if you stand up, the seat pops up. Um, they used to be wooden seats above the box seats. So they were all wooden and they didn't, you know, automatically lift. So there was, and I don't know how I knew this, but I knew it and everybody knew it. Um, but if you, you know, toward the end of the game, if you went, and you sat at the very end in the left field corner of any one of the rows, then you claim that row. And so you would wait till the game ended and then about, you know, maybe 20 minutes for people to clear out. And then one of the Andy frames would come by and give you uh, a a little little tag slip. Yeah. Right. And, and then with that pink slip, then you would start and you would go from all the way in the left field corner all the way in the right field corner and your job was to knock all the trash off the seat and then flip the seat up now presumably this uh helped to facilitate you know cleaning um the area after you know everybody was gone and then when you got to the end you gave your slip to somebody else and they gave you a free pass to any cubs game so essentially you would pay you know i would pay one time to, you know, to get into the ballpark and then it would be like a season pass. Yeah. Right. Cause we would yeah. do this after every game. <laughs> yeah. I did that as well. Um, yeah. good slave labor too, for yeah. the Cubs. Uh, and I, <laughs> I, my, my back is, I'm, I, I have this, this, my back is aching right now. Just thinking of that. Cause I could last probably seven seats right now and do it. But, uh, <laughs> and it would take a long time. It would take like 15 or 20 minutes to do it. It was, uh, yeah, it was uh, enjoyable. I remember that as well. So, Don, are you a uh, no ketchup on hot dogs purist? I am. I, I don't have uh, anything good to say about ketchup. Um, I don't like the smell of it. I don't like the taste of it. I, I don't like it. I don't even like it near my hot dog or anything. I don't. I'm, I'm against condiments in general. Um, oh, not and, even mustard on the hot dog. No, no, no mustard. No. Wow. Well, what are you putting on your What do you put on your hot dog? I, I eat them plain or oh. cheese. Not even celery salt? <laughs> no, not even celery salt. I don't even know why I don't even know why that exists. Um you grew up in the typewriter age. Any advantage <laughs> to uh at all at writing on one? I mean, is it uh do you still Any use advantage one? Saying, you know? To writing on a typewriter? Yeah. Uh, do you, do you miss it at all? Is there was there anything good uh, in the typewriter era that is now gone or is just everything improved now? The, the the only advantage so writing on a computer is so much easier right and you know there's so many advantages to it you save your work and you know I remember my first my first computer I got was before I was about to go to the University of Illinois in Champaign um, this was 19 I graduated high school in 83 and then I took a semester off to pursue a, a warehouse career <laughs> um, and uh and after that i uh i got this computer from my mom and dad it was an old tandy i think it was tandy 1000 <laughs> wow uh, and you know the old floppy disks and everything a big computer that went on your desk and uh i just remember what a leap of faith it was that i would like i would write something and then i would hit save yeah it would disappear and I would immediately call it back up because I was—I just didn't know how it could be possible that it wasn't gone. <laughs> I remember that feeling. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, so, but you know, I, I've gotten over that. I still don't know how it happens. I still have no idea, you know, how that—it's like magic to me. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, I'm so my my 
my skills are not in in the direction of like technology or yeah. working with your hands. You know, for example, like uh, you know, if if a light bulb goes out in our house, I just don't use that room for a while. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you, you, you know you who know? you're talking to here. I mean, <laughs> we yeah. are we are exactly the same way. So, so in any in yeah, any event, but you know, I, I know enough to to use a computer. So it's all good except for this. Here's here's the big huge disadvantage. So my computer, where I I try to write is the same computer that is now hooked up to wireless internet. And so there's this constant battle. Uh, so when you're working on a typewriter, you know, there's no distractions, checking, you know, checking to see what Donald Trump's doing or yeah, not doing. Right. Right. You're you not know, checking no, your Twitter feed, you know, the latest, um, you, you know, mass shooting spree, um, you know, even now, and, and I didn't do anything to make this happen. I don't know how it happened. But now, if my phone rings, my computer rings. Oh. I, don't know how I, I don't know how that started. I don't know how to make it stop. But, you know, so, you know, I answer the phone. So there are so many distractions, and it's so important when you're trying to, you know, get a significant piece of work done to, to not be distracted that I think that that's the biggest disadvantage mm -hmm. and i suppose there are ways i could i could make it so that um you know I'm, I'm not connected to the internet and i could probably make it my computer stop ringing or you know that's not true I can't that sounds it, like a I, project for your teenage son to tackle yeah or or, or my wife margaret yeah. or somebody you know I, I you know woody allen there's a story in the uh biography of him by eric lax in which um apparently you know woody allen was just totally incompetent about these sorts of things as well. And he was working on a typewriter and he, um, there's a story from a friend of his who, you know, was invited over to have dinner at Woody Allen's house. And then, you know, it came up that his typewriter ribbon was broken. He's like, can, can you take a look at this? You know, and he fixed his typewriter ribbon for him, you know, put a new one in. And uh, then he started getting, you know, more invites to dinner. And he it, coincidentally, he started to realize that every time he got invited over to dinner, <laughs> you know, Woody Allen's needed a new typewriter. <laughs> and that's sort of how I am. You know, I've got, you know, I'll have people who will be like, hey, say, uh, you know, you work with computers, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, so you wrote a great Christmas book. Uh, you know, this is. We are your publishers, but uh, th uh, this is just an objective truth. It's an excellent book. It's called An Off-White Christmas, a collection of stories that are about Christmas, but not uh, from a religious point of view. They're just uh, about the Christmas season. And you know, there's one story that I think is just spectacular, and that's the story about the Christmas tree. And the tradition of uh, who can get the cheapest tree, basically, isn't that the the uh, the object of the story? Basically, is that yeah? That's the that's ahead. the title story. Yeah, and it's uh, called an off white Christmas, and it's the first story in the collection. And it makes me think that you you probably here's what I'm thinking, or my guess, my best guess, is that you you know had the collection of stories on your nightstand for a while. And you were meaning to read the whole thing, but then you read the first one <laughs> and didn't get any farther. Is that am I getting close? That no, is I, totally I, incorrect. Yeah, that, I, that may be true of Dave. No, no, no. <laughs> but no, it is no, not true no, of me. No. no. Although uh, did Simon and Schuster read all of their books? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's it. You know, it's um you know, I, I uh this friend of mine from college, um, you know, Jackie Roser, she um um, she had this brother who, uh, you know, was uh, a little bit, you know, the model for Willie, um, and, you know, not, uh, not in any, you know, precise ways, but maybe the inspiration is the better word. Um, but anyway, you know, uh, there used to be, um, you know, she lived in Oak Park and, uh, I was living in Chicago and we would get together. And I would stop by her house around the holidays, um, and um, and then we we also had this tradition of meeting late on Christmas nights at Marie's Riptide. Do you remember Marie's Riptide? No, I don't. Um, yeah. On Armitage Avenue near the highway, and um, it was 
decorated in Christmas lights year round. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then so by coincidence, you know, it was ready for Christmas. Um, you know, this great 5 a.m. bar, and uh, for some reason, people went there on Christmas night. So we would all, you know, when we got done with our families, go there. But in any event, um, you know, I, so I, I started observing, you know, uh, Jackie's family, and uh, and um, there was this interaction between, um, you know, the mother and the son that I found interesting, and and that was sort of the, um, you know, the inspiration, and then, you know. Uh, uh, a lot of the rest of its imagination, but it takes place in um, my old neighborhood because I, I grew up near Blackhawk Park. Okay. Speaking of Christmas decor- decorations, what is the appropriate day to hang them up? If you're not in uh, in that bar that has them all year right, round, right? So when, yeah, when is the? I would imagine Halloween way too early. When is the appropriate time to because i'm jewish i don't know what you people do (laughs) well you probably know uh a little less than i do but um you know it so it depends you know like it's a year by year thing with us because now that like i'm in charge of them and again i'm in charge of something that i'm totally ill prepared to do um it depends if if we're going to be in town for christmas that's one thing if we're going to not be in town, then, you know, then, you, you know, we kind of go light on it. Yeah. But, you know, we try, I, we usually get our tree just a little bit after Thanksgiving. And then um, in terms of the other decorations, it's sort of uh, a collaboration between Margaret and Dusty and myself. And so, um, you know, you, I've always thought that someday I would be, you know, we would be the Christmas house. And so like, you know, sometimes like in April, I'll see some Christmas thing, you know, at Goodwill or at a garage sale in July or whatever, and I'll pick it up thinking we're going to collect this stuff. Um, there was a couple of years where I lived on Logan Boulevard. We rented a place, Margaret and I, and they had one of those Christmas houses. You know what I'm talking about, where they just go yeah, completely sure, nuts, where they probably have like a $10,000 electric bill. The neighborhood you know, Clark Griswold. Exactly. And, yeah. um, and there's one of those on, Lo- on Logan Boulevard, and it's amazing. There's like, there's Christmas music being piped from the roof. Mm-hmm. Things are in motion, you know, like the garage is totally bonkers. We went once um, to this place in Iowa where, uh, you know, and it was just on display. So it was one of these Christmas houses, and Margaret and I were living there for a few years. And so we went to this place, and... Even the toilet paper roll was like an elf, <laughs> you know? And so that that became another one of the stories where, you know, it's um, called uh, uh, Other People's Garbage, in which the uh, narrator, you know, finds herself collecting Christmas stuff, even though she lives alone, doesn't have a family, doesn't have any celebration at Christmas. She finds herself compulsively. She can't stop herself from buying more Christmas stuff and eventually, you know, starts to um, figure out a way to install it to, to become the Christmas house. So I've always imagined that I would become that Christmas house, but um, so far, you know, our our efforts are pretty weak. Where can they get your book, this wonderful <laughs> book? Well, you guys know more than me. Why don't you tell them? Uh, all right. You are. We're going we're gonna to sa- sign you up for uh, Promotion 101. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> and we'll have a little yeah, class yeah. After, this, after this show. Please tell us that you do know yeah. the address as to where people go. Uh, it's at Eckhart'sPress.com uh, for anyone who's interested. it's a. There's two different versions. There's a soft cover. There's a hard cover, which is a collector's edition, which is absolutely beautiful. Uh, David Stern... Uh, uh, spent like 7,000 hours working no, on it. Oh, no. Um, and so you should check it out. Go to EckhartsPress.com. And thank you very much, Donald G. Evans, known as Don to us, uh, <laughs> for uh, being on the show. We appreciate it very much. All right. Thank you, Rick and Dave. And thank you. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I can't say enough uh, about uh, the good work you guys are doing. No, please Eckhart's do. Keep going. <laughs> Keep going. No, no, you can say as much as you want. We don't have to hit a break, Don. How good are we? <laughs> Actually, you know, now that I think about it, I can say enough, but I think I have. <laughs> okay, there um, you go. <laughs> but, uh, and also, you know, uh, you know, I've only, 
you know, heard a sampling of the Minutia Men, but it's it's really good. You know, I mean, I it's funny and. Um, you know, I'm uh, I'm impressed with your efforts. Oh, come oh, on. We'll cut it out. Okay, fine. Three book deal, Don. All right. You, whatever <laughs> books you got, we'll publish them for you. Talk to you soon, Don. Thanks for being on. All right, thanks. Okay, turned out to be a little more than a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Don can get a little chatty. But you know what? Uh, some good it's, stories. And it's there. a great book. It is a great book. Go on EckhartsPress.com yeah. and order it. And get, get the hard copy. Please get the hard copy. Uh, which is a beautiful Christmas yeah, gift. It really is. And the other one is nice to, uh, the, the soft cover is also good for like a stocking, stocking stuffer. stuffer. Yeah. Right. But if you really like the person that you're going to get a gift for, yeah. go with the hard cover. If you love them. Right. If you don't love them, fine. But if you love them, give them the nice book. Yeah, it's 55 For bucks crying out loud. If you'd like to know more about Rick and Dave, you can uh, check us out at our day jobs, EckhartsPress.com. Oh, we are busy. We really are. Uh, ChicagoAuthorSolutions.com. You can also uh, email us, if you like, at uh, MinutiaMenPodcast at gmail.com. You can tweet us. You can tweet us. You retweet us. uh, At MinutiaMen, correct? Yes, at MinutiaMen. Do we have a Facebook page? Now, but we have yeah. the Radio Misfits oh, yeah. Network. Yeah, yes, Facebook. right. So there's all sorts of things. We should yeah. Snapchat. You, all the hey. kids nowadays are doing the Snapchat. Oh, well, let's figure that out all between right. now and next show. Yeah. Uh, I'll be in New York. You take care of it, okay? Um, anyway. Well, there a lot of kids that you're going to be around, so ask them for help. You know what? That's a good point. I'll ask in between vapes. You are going to just make a mental note of in this bar. Yeah. If there's anybody older than you that's going to be in this. Oh, I Is can, it in a bar? Yeah. Is the It's in a, some some place called the Brooklyn Steelworks. <laughs> so <laughs> Which is the kind of place I would hang out in anyway. You're not coming back. Yeah. The Steelworks people are going to look at you and you're going to you're going to be dead. Uh, the show has been produced by uh, Tony Lasano of Opie Productions. Uh, we've been distributed by Ed Silla, the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, and we'll be back again next week with another episode of Minutia Men. The preceding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? If you missed Los Anno or Los Los Anno and friends, here's what you missed. Edzilla, the president, is here. The guy that's in charge of the whole network. So we have to be good, right? Yes. Yeah. And so far. So what's going on with the network? Anything exciting? We have a, a thousand shows. I mean, there's a lot of them. We have a lot of shows. Artie, stuck from Artie Lang right on down. Yeah, yeah. Name the worst show on the network. Go ahead. <laughs> say it to his face. Just say it. Say it to his face. Yeah. yeah. No, no I, 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 would, I dare anyone to find a bad show. There, all... there is not a show on this network that yeah. I'm not proud of. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Aww. Yeah. Uh, Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It's just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. Radio Misfits. Get more. Lausano and Friends. Lausano. Now on Lausano.com. Good luck trying to spell Lausano or whatever it's called.